Welcome to the Coastal Addiction Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk about all things coastal. We bring you long format conversations from people who live that coastal addiction life. I'm your host, Tommy, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Corey, how's it going, man? Good, Tommy. Thanks for having me on here, man. I appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you being on. Um, like most known coastal addiction podcasts, we like to talk about the coastal addiction lifestyle. You surf, dive, fish, and you just happen to be uh, probably one of the premier fishermen that I follow around on Instagram. Um, that's Sergeant Fish Finder for all you guys out there uh, who happens to like to fish the Mosquito Lagoon and you're a vet. And I mean, vets have to help vets, right? Absolutely. Definitely. So you have a really interesting story, Corey. It's super cool. Um, you grew up in Florida, which is really cool, on the, on the left coast over in Tampa area. Yep, yep. Um, you ended up joining the Army out of, out of high school, so late 97. Yep. Went off, had your Army career. So how much fishing did you do in your Army career, or was it just all, like, normal Army stuff? Just normal Army stuff. I didn't do any fishing whatsoever. I, I fished a little bit outside when, when I lived in uh, Tampa, but, you know, it was – just basic. I wasn't into it at all. It wasn't something that was on my radar. None of my friends did it. So it's not something that I really picked up. And as I, you know, got through the army and it just had to live, live pretty much a normal army life. And a lot of people don't know what a normal army life is. Just a normal military life for a lot of us is deployed home, unpack, unpack your stuff, turn around, wash everything, get ready to deploy again, train up for it. So there's not a lot of fishing time in there. You probably didn't take very much leave while you were in the Army, did you? I, I made sure to take all my leave. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I could take leave, I, I I took it. But, yeah, no, exactly like you said. You spent a lot of time in the in the field. I, I, I uh, was in a lot of light infantry uh, battalions. So, I you know, we lived in the field. You know, we, we stayed in the field. Um we would come back exactly. We would clean our gear. We would get ready for the next rotation of whatever whatever it is that we were doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, you just kind of deal with it, and you have to suck it up and try to find a happy happy moments in it. And you know, the biggest thing is the camaraderie that you have amongst uh, other other people. You know that you're serving with yeah. is the biggest thing, man. Like your like your brothers, pretty much. You know. Oh yeah. Some are disgruntled, some are happy. <laughs> <laughs> you fight a lot, you don't fight, you know, some some are some are you want to stay away from other guys, you're just you know, they're just you become tight with a lot of people. So oh yeah. For real, man. So you did a couple of tours overseas. Where all were you at? Um, well, I uh I, I spent a year and a half in Iraq or very early on. Uh got deployed in March of uh three. Um to Baghdad and stayed there until August of 2004. Um, then I came back, uh, went to Fort Benning for a couple of years and uh, finished out my, my military career there. Got out in 20, uh, 2006 and decided I wanted to go contract. And I went right back to Iraq because they were people that had security clearances and uh, that could live that kind of lifestyle. So <laughs> I went back to Iraq for another uh, two and a half years. And then I jumped over when everybody was starting to come out of Iraq. I jumped over to Afghanistan for two years. What a different place Afghanistan is. Oh, it's big difference. Oh, big man. difference. Super crazy. Yeah. So you did your, you did your, your army career, um, balled it up, pulled chalks, rolled out, did some contracting for a little bit. And then uh, hung up the contractor boots, so to say. Came back stateside, and uh, you had some you had some issues, right? Yeah, I uh, I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD. Um, you know, something that in the military you got a saying is uh, "suck it up and drive on." And, and yep. a lot of people a lot of people get that mentality that you know, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have you know, I, like I'm this perfect soldier and this is the way I was trained and it's just, you know, just I'll find a way to deal with it. And, uh, that's, that's how my mentality was. It was literally drilled into my brain that I was fine. And, uh, I wasn't, you know, I, was, I got to some, some really dark places, um, segregated myself from everybody, just really depressed, uh, a lot of, uh, anxiety, a lot of moments that, that, um, just were just dark times in my life and, you know, leads to alcohol um, drugs. I never did take drugs, but people end up going to that dark place and, and getting, you know, really bad. 
Um, but I, you know, I had some responsibilities. I, I, I was married at the time. I had both my kids with me, um, that live with me full time. And it's just, it, it was, it was hard. So I, uh, you know, went to the VA and got checked out and, you know, sure enough, they were like all the symptoms that you have yet. You, you got PTSD. Wow, man. Wow. But you, you found, you found an outlet for this. Absolutely. So, which was fishing. Yep. Yep. And I didn't even know that, um, fishing was going to make me feel the way I feel, you know, make me give, give me this sense of freedom. I, I had z- zero clue. It wasn't until, you know, I, I was with some friends of mine and we kind of talked about, um, you know, they were talking about fishing ahead of time. And I was, you know, constantly on my phone trying to look at some different things I can do, do some, you know, be, you know, constructive, you know, with my time. And uh, it turned out, you know, I was I was looking at a bunch of YouTube videos and, you know, much props to Salt Strong and Salt Strong Tony and those guys, because, you know, I was watching some of those videos and I was like, man, I I, I kind of like Mosquito Lagoons is right down, you know, an hour from here, not even an hour. So, you know, I can, I think I can do some of that. And I talked to my friends and we were talking about kayak fishing and they were like, Hey, whenever you're ready, like, let's do it. And literally the next weekend we went into, uh, one of the stores in Altamont and, um, bought, <laughs> bought three kayaks right off the shelf. Oh, wow. Was it, wasn't <laughs> travel country outfitters. Was it, it wasn't travel country. There was another place. I forget the name of it. It was back there by, by the warehouses that are back there. Um, but yeah, yeah, they Same. get me every time. <laughs> Travel country gets me every time, man. Um, so you had some friends. So some friends that were already into fishing is kind of what kind of drug you into it. Not really. They they didn't have any experience with it either. They were kind of oh. you know they just they just fished uh, occasionally. You know, we just it was one of those things that we all kind of came together and we just decided like, hey, let's go start doing some inshore fishing because we were trying to look for. We didn't want to. We didn't want to freshwater fish. No offense to the freshwater fish guys, bass and stuff. We were looking for a bigger fight, a bigger battle, maybe a little bit more of a, a challenge, um, and and just try to see where that leads and if we're enjoy it or not, you know. And we found out pretty quick that yeah, we were pretty addicted. That kayak fishing got you. Oh, kayak fish. Yeah, it, it absolutely got me. You know, we, we went out the first, uh, the, I'll tell you a little story. The first time we went out, we went to um, Biolab Road and we pulled up there. We had our kayaks. And now, mind you, we had absolutely no idea what to look for, what to look <laughs> at, what we were even doing. All I know is I went to the store. I got a top spot map and I opened that thing up and I was like, all right, let's pick where we're going to go fish. Right. We had all our gear. My buddy had a big cooler with like 40 pounds of ice in it. I don't know what we thought we were going to catch, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we had no idea what we were doing. We were absolute rookies. And I mean, it was it was definitely crazy. But we pull up there at the boat ramp and um, there was a boat launching. And the guy looks at us and he's like, and we're unloading our stuff. And the guy's like, hey, guys, just want to let you guys know there's a kayaker that's missing out on the lagoon. Now, mind you, we didn't check the weather. We didn't even, like, think about the weather. And it's blowing, like, 20 miles an hour, okay? It's, like, absolutely just ripping on the lagoon. And, oh. we're going, yeah, we're going from there to across to the, the east side of the water. So oh. it was, like, Redfish Flats area. So – we were like, oh, we're fine. We'll deal with it, you know? So it was like a mile and a half, you know, like paddle across. And we had paddle crafts at the time. So we were like, oh, it's like that, mil- that military mindset. Like, yeah, we're good. We'll suck it up. We're- we can make These it. are all prior service guys? No, these guys are not prior service. These guys are just, you know, just friends of mine, just okay. off the street. Yeah, so these guys have no military background whatsoever. So they're, you know, we, we were all like, we were into it because it was our first time. We didn't really think about it. We were just pumped up. We wanted to go see some fish and catch some fish. But, you know, some guys, he's pull, he says there's a guy missing. And so we're like, we look at each other like, uh, <laughs> we're all is, here. <laughs> yeah, we're here. This is, this is crazy. Like somebody's out there. And as we get across the water, all these FWC, uh, we, there's a helicopter hovering, like flying over us. There's airboats going by. There's, you know, the, their little boat boats that they got are flying all over the place. They're like just hauling up, hauling butt everywhere. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. So we got, we made it into this one little pocket and we didn't catch anything. And as we came back, we were like, we settled up on one of the uh, shorelines there and we're, we're having a beer. And all of a sudden this helicopter comes cruising and he, he hover, he's hovering probably a hundred, hundred yards from us, just hovering like 20 feet above the water. And there is the, the guy who was missing who drowned. Oh no! Yeah, he drowned. 
Straight out in front of you. Straight out in front of us. We could not believe. I mean, yeah, he was just right there. And and it was a shocking experience for us because we were like, wow, that is absolutely crazy. It just happens to be right here. His craft was nowhere around. So he, he, he must have dunked his kayak somehow or i mean i don't know what happened no, nobody i don't think anybody knows but yeah he he passed away and they dragged him out of the water and we had to go back across the water as the wind's blowing right at us 20 miles an hour and it took us like 45 minutes to get back but oh, man. you know so so it, no pfd on this guy i don't think so nope it's not required you don't have to, you just have to have it you just have to have it on your craft you don't actually have to wear it Mm, I bet you that changed some minds. Yeah, I mean, I still never wore one just because I don't know. It you probably should wear one, but I just I it never felt like it was. It's not supposed to be a comfort thing. I get it, but it just I just never. I always felt so comfortable on the water and what I was in because the craft that I was in was super stable. So and plus I was in like skinny water most of the time, and or you know I didn't really worry about like oh if something happens, you know I got my friends here. I'm not going out at night. You know, we're we're being pretty pretty safe with what we are doing, and as long as I felt I was within, you know, I had all the regulation stuff that I needed to have on there, I, I felt I was good. So I never really did wear one. So that's your first kayak outing, man. That that was my first kayak outing. I, yep, I, that had to spoil some people. Like, yeah, I don't know if I want to go do this again. <laughs> no, we talked about it. We talked about it. We we were like, man, this is that's nuts, you know. And and we we continue to do it. We just we we just we real like I said, we didn't know anything. We didn't know what we were doing. We were the, some of the gear that we had was just just ridiculous. You know, we we thought like, oh, we just watched some videos and go out there and it just it will just trans, you know, transfer over to just being fish. We'll just catch fish all day and we'll be good to go. Well, no, we went out our first three, four times um, and pretty much blanked out. Nobody caught anything. And then I think it was after that we started to kind of okay, like during those those four times, we would always come back and do like a little AAR, like a little after action review, like, all right, what, what did we do wrong? What could we do better? You know, like what type of things, you know, could we get do on the water to, to make our next trip successful? So I think that's really propelled us to uh, be, you know, be successful to where we are today. And we're not, you know, fish slayers by any means, but we do I think we do pretty good. We're not pros or anything like that, but we do pretty good on the water. No, man, I think you guys do a great job. I've been following you for a little while now um, off the Coastal Addiction page, and uh, you're always putting up some slayed fish. So either you got a bunch of stuff in your pocket, or I think you're uh, you're a little better than you want to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very humble. I don't. I, I don't. You know, it's. I, I appreciate the compliment for sure. Um, I just. It's. I just go out there, man. I just had to learn a lot. I had to figure out the waters and figure out what works there because you know what? What works on the West Coast does not work on the East Coast. What works in Mosquito Lagoon might not necessarily work uh, down in Sebastian Inlet, you know, or Sebastian, uh, the Sebastian area. So it's it's really as you get to the, some of these different areas, you have to almost fish differently. And, oh, yeah. And as, as many times as we went out, we kind of learned, you know, just going out on the – the lagoon and being in some of the areas where we were in, we were all, we would go from um, the the North Indian River side, so like Scottsmore um, and that whole area uh, through uh, the Hollover Canal all the way on the south end of the Mosquito Lagoon where, you know, there was Whale's Tail, Pelican Island, some uh, Eddie's Creek, some of these uh, Tiger Shoals and, yeah. and all that was just like prime target area. And there were, the grass was beautiful in there, and it was nice. And you, all you had to do is just grab a paddle tail, you know, a little eighth ounce uh, jig head, flip that thing around, and boom, you get some fish, you know. But t times, you know, times change pretty quick. After about a year, uh, say about a year and a half or so, things really started to. It was really difficult getting out on the water and trying to find anything. So what do you think led led to that 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 downfall of the fishery? I don't know, man. There's, you know, it's that's like a scientific type thing, so it's it's really I hear it's from pesticides, runoff, sewage. I've heard so many different things, you know, the the grass dies because there's no ox, oxygen in the water, so you got manatees everywhere feeding off the grass. Them I mean, damn manatees are eating all the grass. Manatees eating, <laughs> I know. It's like damn manatees. 
they've been around forever, but I you know. know it's the yeah. manatees. They did it. Yeah, blame the manatees. No, so you know it just it things things change uh, for the for the worst, obviously, and all the places that we would fish before that had grass, you know, it it started making us venture out more, um, and especially me, I'm, I I say we because I, we would always go out as like a little team. And we would fish together, you know, but everyone had different schedules. So not everybody could fish on the weekends and whatnot. But I really like anytime I had a chance to go on the weekend or even during the week, I would load my my kayak up on my truck and I would go. I'd go by myself. I didn't care. And I would spend 10, 12 hours on the water if I could. You know what I mean? So and after work, I would I get off work, fortunately, pretty early. So I go in early. I get off early. So I would throw my kayak in my truck. I would drive out to the lagoon and I would fish for, you know, three, four hours. You so, were just set, ready to go. Just ready to go. I was just trying to get just just uh, really just seeking um, the thrill of that hunt, man. You know, looking for those fish. But it just things became so difficult. And anybody who fishes the lagoon can tell you that fishing the lagoon now compared to fishing the lagoon three, four years ago, it's not the same. It's not completely not the same. I mean, you are literally searching all day for a fish, maybe. You know, unless you find yourself getting into a little pocket to where you're like, ooh, there's fish here. But being that you're on a kayak, that changes the game because you're literally you pick where you're going to go and you're committed to that area. There's no, OK, well, I'm going to go up here and then I'm going to travel, you know, five miles up the coast and try and see if I can go up there. It, that is yeah, that's not, that you ain't going nowhere. You're, you're literally going into the water. By the time you get to your spot, you're probably already burnt out and you're like, well, I'll just kind of patrol around here and see what happens because you're beating that 20 knot wind <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's, and, and sometimes some some days are you know it's it's you know you might go eight months with it seems like every weekend it's just win 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 so you just got to deal with it you just got to know how to 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 go to work around it which is pretty much find the opposite side of where the wind is and that's normally probably where there's going to be a good chance there's fish you know Oh yeah, for sure. So, where all have you kayak fished at? Oh man, um, all every everywhere in Mosquito Lagoon, um, for sure. Um, Indian River Lagoon. Uh, I've gone from Scottsmore all the way to about where Vero Beach is, and I've kayaked all that. Um, I taken my kayak out to Tampa a couple times out in Whedon Island. Awesome place. Um, I've just, uh, let me see. I'm trying to think if I went over to the Crystal River. I never went to Crystal River on my kayak. By that, that, by that point, I had, we had boats and stuff. So I never made it up to the nature coast on my kayak. But I mean, it, it was literally, there were so many places that you can get to in Mosquito Lagoon, Edgewater, New Smyrna Beach. And that's, for me, it's the closest, it's the closest place for me to leave in the morning, get there pretty quick. I could launch my kayak and I can just fish all day. So though anywhere on Mosquito Lagoon, it was my territory. That's where I fish. So have you been down in the Keys any fishing down here? I have not. Not yet. That is on okay. the bucket list uh -oh. for sure. Uh -oh. I, and actually, I, I, you know, I haven't been to the Keys Keys, but uh, another place that I have been that I love is 10,000 Islands down there oh, in yeah. Everglades. I mean, absolute awesome fishery. Love it. Yeah, that's, a, that's another hot spot. Um, mm -hmm. if you head down to the Keys, there's a, a, uh, vet down there who runs Leatherneck Backcountry Fishing. Um, you should hit him up. He's, uh, he's a guy down there, former Marine, obviously Leatherneck. And, uh, I think he has a, um, a rental property that goes along with the, uh, with the guide service. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it's like an all in one package and, uh, he's always posting up stuff Makes me jealous. I'm gonna have to check him out then for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a solid guy too. So you said you graduated now. You you graduated to boats. You, you just mentioned that, and uh, I believe you just had uh, something built. Yeah, I did. I had a uh, 2021 Beaver Tail Mosquito built. Nice. Pretty awesome, awesome craft. I needed. I really needed something. Uh, you know, it first started off with the the paddle craft. So I I, I bought my bought my kayak. And it was a Jackson, uh, Jackson kayak Cuda HD. And it's just a really, it's a, tw it's like a 12 foot kayak. I mean, it was, it got you, it got me to where I wanted to go, but I wanted to, to access more water and I wanted to get there quicker because I felt like I was burning off a lot of energy and a lot of time trying to like 
paddle myself over to wherever it is that I was going to fish that day. So, and I was like anti, you know, anti Hobie because of the price of these things. And I was just like, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, these things are so expensive. I don't, I, I can't see myself ever buying one. Well, my buddy, Paul, who is skyhook fishing on uh, Instagram, he he bought one. So he bought a Hobie and he bought a camouflage Hobie. Really nice kayak. He took it out when we went out one day and he's like, hey, jump on that thing and, and pedal it around. See what you think. I took that thing in the water. <laughs> I wasn't out two minutes and I came back. I was like, yep, I'm buying one. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, it got me. Yeah, you got ah. me. Yep. So I, I went out. Um, I, I posted my, my kayak up for sale. And uh, uh, next thing you know, I, I went and bought a 2019 uh, Hobie Outback and it was absolutely the best investment I could have, I could have bought. It allowed me to get so skinny and, and get to all the places that I really wanted to get to that I couldn't. And I had a lot of successful times on, on that kayak. And it's just absolutely just, it was such a, such a great time. And I have so many awesome memories on that kayak, but then, you know, it's the same thing. I, I, I needed to, access some more water i wanted to get there faster it was the same thing i so i was like me and my wife were talking try to see what we can fit in our budget and what we can you know what we can get and we decided uh let's let's go with a beaver tail mosquito it's like perfect for what we can do and i can get into um you know like kayak waters man i'm in i'm in four four or five inches with that boat Mm. you know so it, it, it i didn't have to change my fishing style at all so it was absolutely perfect for for what i for how i fish I mean, other than now, you stand up instead of sit down. I I stood up before. You could ask anybody. I anybody like I would I would sit down. I would pedal myself out to wherever it is, and I would literally pull myself through the whole area, or I would literally just I would stand up the entire time. I couldn't sit and fish. Like, is there something weird about it? I just don't feel comfortable. I mean, I could, I could do it if I have to. It's just I would rather stand. I feel like I got more control. And on a Hobie Outback, you can literally 360 yourself around and not worry about getting flipped, you know? Nice. Sounds like it's a solid kayak. Oh, solid. Solid. Yep. Y'all heard it. Straight from Sergeant Fish Finder. That's right. right trust trust it. Trust it. Get get the Hobie Outback. <laughs> oh, yeah. How, how much was that thing? You said you uh, – It's you about – I think they retail for about 2700 bucks. But if you, you know, you can, yeah, you can, you can find them online. Um, if you, if you find the right seller who I sold mine, um, with everything by this point, I mean, I put a fish finder on it. I had a high speed battery that was on there. Uh, you know, it had, it had everything. It had absolutely everything on it. All the rod holders, all the, you know, you know, the compartments and everything on there already. And I literally sold, I pretty much gave it away to the, to, uh, somebody that, that was interested in buying it. And, uh, they, they actually sent me some pictures after his first trip and he, he, he was slated. He's like, man, this thing's got good luck on it, man. I got some, I've been killing it on this thing. (laughs) So I'm like, yep. So how, how was the process of getting your beaver tail? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, Liz over at beaver tail and the crew over there will, um, they, they are absolutely, they make it a seamless, uh, process. I mean, you literally call them say hey this is what i want and they're like okay i'll send you the price sheet and this you know you pretty much go through the options list you just check everything off send it back to her she sends you a completed price sheet and then you wait and then uh it took about four months for the build to be done and they were they told me an exact date when it was going to be done and on that exact date i went down to bradenton and i picked it up and it was done complete no issues yep Took a little walk around, you know, how where where they build all the boats and do all that, and pretty cool. So and so, how was the uh, the tour? Is it everything you expected? Yeah, I mean, it, they were all still kind of working on some of the <clears throat> other boats that they had in there, so we didn't really go in depth. But I got to take a walk around and see some of the other things that they had built, you know, that they were building at the time, and it was just cool to see. It's my, it's actually my first boat. So I had never been a boat owner before. It's my first boat. And just because, you know, I felt like it was a justifiable expense because how much I fish. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's not just how much you fish, man. It's just, it gets you out there on that water. And that, yeah, that, I call that the Wusaba factor. Like Absolutely. It, it definitely gives you a little more Wusaba. And the Absolutely. more water you can cover, 
the more wusaba you get. That's what yeah. I, that's why I tell everybody. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So what are you fishing with these days? You you go out with one, two, twelve rods? Like how, how no. do you set up? Uh normally um I would take I would take two, uh just as a backup, just in case something happens with my primary rod. Um, but I, I run a couple of, uh, I run, I run a seven, six, uh, medium century, um, weapon junior with a, uh, 3000 Vanford Shimano Vanford. Mm-hmm. And then I have a seven foot, uh, it's a Terramar PX, the new Shimano Terramar PX. Awesome rod. It's a medium. Um, I run with a 4000 Vanford. So yeah, it's, they're, they're really good setups. They're perfect for exactly how I fish, you know, I do a lot of, I call it CQF, right? We, in the military, we have CQC, we have CQB, so close, <laughs> close quarter com, combat and then close quarters, you know, battles. I call it CQF, close quarter fishing, because that's exactly, that's exactly what I do. You know, I'm up and close and personal in these mangroves and you need something that's going to be able to horse these fish out of the mangroves. I initially on my kayak, I, you know, I would love fishing light. I would have a medium light rod with like a 25 or a 3000 series reel. And I just found myself especially on a kayak catching some bigger bigger fish and just getting just destroyed by these fish i mean they would just pull me right into the the mangroves and then once you're into the mangroves and you can't you know at that point you're done yeah you're gonna get broke off and i got broke off so many times you know i had so many people on instagram say man you get you lose a lot of fish (laughs) i was like yeah well you might not if you never fish the mangroves that's just the way it is you're gonna lose fish you know so um but I, you know, at that point started to realize like, you know, maybe fishing medium light is not the way to go on a kayak. So I kind of upgraded, scaled up, got all my gear, I think, perfect for, for what I do. And now it's just all day, just flip mangroves, 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 and just, and just go after them. Yeah. Mangroves are definitely a, a dangerous, a treacherous area. If you're uh, you're on light tackle, you got to be quick. You, you can't, can't slack any. Once yeah. they turn that head and run, you're, you're pretty much out of it. Yep. And that's what happened so many times where they would just, they would just out muscle the rod, you know, and I was using a G Loomis. Uh, if I had a G Loomis E6 X uh, medium light and it, with the G Loomis rods, especially the E6, the E6 X's, those rods are so awesome, but they're almost like a step below what they say. So a medium feels like a medium light, a medium light almost probably feels like a medium ultra light. I mean, so and I was running on a medium Ooh. light and it, I just really couldn't get good hook sets because of the, the fast, action in the rod so you try to set the set 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 the hook and it almost like the rod would just kind of just just bend over you know what i mean so you weren't really getting good hook sets and i mean i still caught a lot of fish using it but i just learned that it's not the way to go unless i'm on a flat you know catching trout or something like that um i just needed to step up my gear and ever since i did that i've been I, i mean i've landed some pretty decent fish that probably would have broke me off and I never would have landed them, especially snook. Oh yeah. Oh slick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you've been, uh, you've been down to Sebastian Inlet. heard you mention that. Yep. Yep. I'm 0 for four on the inlet. So everyone knows. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for four. I've actually hooked up. I've hooked up a couple times out there, but you know, it's just, um, it, trying to get those fish in sometimes is just not as easy. You got the rocks you got to contend with. I've lost a lot of gear out there. I'm sure everybody who fishes Sebastian Lundit has, you know, if you're fishing on that North, that North pier, you got to contest with um, a lot of the fishermen that's, that's on the pier itself. Um, they're, they're, you know, you're going against where they're fishing. They're, you're, they're, you're going against where they're fishing. They're going against where you're fishing. So it's like, you know, you're trying not to get everybody tangled up and do all those things. And it's just, it's tough, especially when you're on a boat. So we try to sit in some of the little in, inner areas there and, and just try to play the tides. It's a very, you know, you have to know the when the tides come in, when it's not, when the bite's on fire, when it's not. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's just, it's just tough, man. The inlet is, is brutal. The inlet is brutal. And especially, you know, it starts, it's starting to get crowded. There's a lot of people that come out there now. Um, I've been... The, the last four times I went, we went at nighttime and uh, we've landed a couple good snook, a couple good reds. I haven't got them yet, but you know, you, you get some, you get to see some really cool stuff out there for sure. Yeah. Sebastian, I, I tell everybody, man, it's like one of the best kept secrets in the state of Florida. I mean, although like you said, it's starting to get fished a lot now. There's a lot of guides running in and out of there. 
a lot of guys from the pier, a lot of personal boats out there. Mm-hmm. Um, some PWCs, some guys fishing off some PWCs out there. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's man. I still I don't know if I can do it off a of PWC. I, I mean, I sure I could. I just I don't know that I want to. Um, I've seen Sebastian standing eight nine foot waves uh, at the beginning of you know an outgoing tide and watch some things climb to like 10 and 12 foot. And I'm just like, there's no way. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It is definitely a, a treacherous, uh, inlet, but man, there's so such good fishing. I took the, um, I took the, uh, drone down there and, uh, got some shots, of some boats coming in and out. And I, I wanted to get some good video and you, it was beautiful, crystal clear that day on a slack tide. And you could see the rocks coming down from the north, the rocks coming from the south, and the complete center of the of the uh, of the inlet and the way that the channel runs. And I was like, man, like I got some gold right here. I bet just some oh. people like to see this. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, on those slack tide days like that, it is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, even I, we were in the. Uh, was it Honest John's? We were over in Honest John's. Yeah. Apart, me and a buddy of mine. And I caught this big old ladyfish, and I was like, oh, we were going to the, the the inlet later that day, and I was like, hey, I'm gonna save this guy. So <laughs> I saved him, threw him on a on a, a circle hook, and tossed him out there, and something took it right away. And I mean, you can see crystal clear the 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 size of the fish that had this. Thing. It was a big old redfish that grabbed it, and it just just not on, just didn't get the hook, you know, and uh, ended up ripping off the bait. But like days like that, I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous, nice and flat. And then when that those tides start going in or out, you better get out of there. <laughs> oh yeah, you get out the monster hole. This is good fishing around monster hole too. Um, a lot of people don't venture out there. I tell you what, I saw this guy on a um, on like a it was a cuddy cab. I'll say like a twenty five ish foot cuddy cab, and he was between monster hole and the the beach line there on the south side of Sebastian. And I don't know if he was anchored up or what, but the dude was by himself. And I just happened to look over and his boat was vertical on a wave rolling in. And I was like, oh, Lord, he's about to eat it. And then it came right over the top and sat there. And he walked up to the helm and walked back again. And I was like, there's no way, no way. Two (laughs) waves later, man, straight up again. And I'm like, bro, you are, you need, you are in the wrong spot. You need to get out of there. You're about to be swimming to the beach there, man. Yeah, I know. There's been a couple times where, especially at nighttime, where we, we went out there and uh, we were trying to figure out the, the tide. And we were like, well, let's, sometimes, you know, you can get out to the mouth and it's not so bad. And we went out. We It was it was probably one o'clock in the morning and we couldn't really see. So we, we made our way under the, under the bridge and we're working our way towards the mouth and we're just looking out there. And it looked like the perfect storm remember those waves in the perfect storm oh i was was like yeah no let's just go ahead and uh turn that around we're just just gonna we're just gonna drift in today yeah yeah well we're gonna we're gonna turn around and get out of there you gotta be smart when you're out there for sure i've seen it so packed there where it reminds me of like cars setting up for a gas station Mm -hmm. where you know boats just they drive right to the mouth and they're drifting the incoming tide and they're just lined up like every, I don't know, 40 yards or so. And they drift just past the bridge and they start back up again and they drive up. And I've seen where it's just been a line of boats drifting the north side, the south side. Right. The south side pier is nothing but poles in the sky. North side pier, nothing but poles in the sky. People out around, you know, the, the east end of the pier um, on boats just out there by the rocks. I guess they just want they want to go hook into Goliath or something, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just like, man, not 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 a day. Yeah, no, definitely. Hang out on the beach, and you know, and and going back to Mosquito Lagoon off of that, you know, because the lagoon has been taking such a beating with everything. That's what happens right now with with the the Hallover um, Canal, Hallover Canal. I mean, you can go there on a weekend and look, and there's, I mean, there's boats everywhere on there trying to fish it so it's you know there's a lot of pressure oh yeah it, it's crazy and then the mullet run come and then there's there's more pressure oh yeah even more uh, yep yeah it's just I, I like i grew up uh up in coco so i i used to fish all the indian river all banana river all the port 
uh, all of that. I remember grass flats for like days mm-hmm. as I was in high school. I'd come back from uh, the Marine Corps on leave and go fish, and it'd be grass everywhere. And it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago, I guess, that it really started dying off. Right. And and speaking of cocoa, uh, that is probably one of my primary places that I fish is uh, Thousand Islands. Over oh, there. Yeah. I, I absolutely love fishing that area. Um, I actually did a kayak tournament over there when they had one. Um, it was, I want to say it was 2019, maybe. Maybe 2019, maybe 2018. I, I forgot what, what what year it was, but we did a big kayak tournament tournament over there, and people pulled out some beasts. And yeah, I, I had I have several spots over there that um, usually, well, at the time, I can guarantee to go there and see either a red, a trout, uh, a snook, and uh, every you know, it's the water clarity changed. The grass kind of died off. All the fish disappeared. I went out there probably four or five times and didn't get anything. I mean, just skunked. So it, you know, it just, it's so hard, man. <laughs> it just makes it so hard. So, you know, going through that, you just start thinking like, well, I have the itch to fish. Where can I fish? Where can I go? What kind of, you know, where, what can I, what can I get to in a reasonable amount of time and fish all day, you know? Yeah, that's it's it's hard. I mean, this is what all the offshore guys do so well. I mean, they they run out to the ledge and, and hang out out there, and you know they they run fifty, sixty, seventy miles depending on where they're launching from. And I, I hate the guys in Miami, by the way, because they you know they go out like ten miles. And they're like, right, oh, we're here. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like all right, get, yeah, get their guys. get their fish. Yeah. They're home by eleven. Yeah, so if you yeah. live in Miami, I don't like you. I don't like, I don't I don't like your your ten minute boat ride. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I like doing a little bit, little offshore, a little inshore. I just like fishing in general. Um, I do too. I, I, I typically, I typically stay away from offshore and I got nothing against offshore. I used to offshore with my uncle all the time and, and it's just there. It's just a lot of work and I've spent a lot of days out there as I'm sure a lot of people have. And, and you spend eight, nine hours on the water and skunk out. You know, where you're just not not on the right position, not in the right spot. Maybe the fish aren't eating that day, you know, even on cruising a weed line all day, not hooking up to anything. So it becomes it becomes, you know, some really super long days and still got to come back, clean the boat, do all those things that you got to do and uh, makes for some really long days. And then when you especially when you don't catch anything, it's you know, it's it just beats you up. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing a lot of people don't think about is it's, you know, you got a boat. All right. Well, there's there's the maintenance on the boat. There's your fuel out to your spot for your, your boat and your truck. There's cleaning the boat when you get back. Motor rinses. All everything's got to get washed down. Everything's got to get scrubbed up. Yeah, there's a lot of work. It doesn't matter if you're inshore, offshore, even in freshwater. I mean, you still got to clean everything up. Right. There's, you can't leave anything late. So boats are a lot of work. Um, you know, you've gradually stepped up. The you know shore fishing, kayak. Kayak probably the least amount of work out of all of it, except for haul that thing. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, you're working on, on the kayak side. The house comes in everywhere you want to go. You can only cover so much water in a certain amount of time. So I'm, I'm glad you got a beaver tail. It sounds like you you've been able to hit spots and adventure out some more. And the good news is you really don't have to change your fishing style any, which is a big plus. Oh yeah, it's absolutely been. That's you know one of the main reasons that you know they have the saying that if you buy a boat you want to get something that you're going to you know use it 80 percent of the time whatever it is that you're going to be doing so if you're going to be cruising then you probably want to get something that you're going to be cruising in if you want to fish and you want to get skinny well then you need to get something that's going to get you in the skinny water and be able to you know cover the areas that you were i don't know what i would do if i would have got a boat that would have made me change the style of i would have literally had to like relearn you know what what it is to that i was that i was doing you know, if I had to like fish like way deeper waters or uh, an, an inlet, an inlet you could kind of figure out. But, you know, if I had to like venture out somewhere, you know, and try to figure it out, it, it's like starting all over. So for me, it's just it just made sense to do what I got to do. And I could still hit all the same areas that I wanted. And it just, you know, hopefully some days, some days are better than others. But either way, you're on the water, you're having a good time, you know, you're fishing. And it's just that sense of uh, excitement when you're out there. It's awesome. 
Speaking of good time, you just recently posted probably five or six days ago mm-hmm. this uh, giant tarpon. Oh, yeah. That was my first tarpon. And, uh, really? Yeah, first tarpon. And uh, a buddy, me and a buddy of mine, we went out to um, the Sebastian River. And everybody knows, I'm not blowing up any spots or anything, but everyone knows there's tarpon in the Sebastian River. And we went out there, you know, trying to target snook. I was going for snook. And... Uh, just so happens tarpon wanted to bless me that day. So, and, and, you know, I caught that fish and I was expecting to get, you know, have to like go chase this fish on the boat and uh, try to get him in. But he did not put up a fight whatsoever. I mean, he jumped twice on me and um, I was able to, you know, still, you know, have, have the hook in his mouth, thank God, and uh, get him to the boat. And my partner, he pulled him out the water and there it is. You know, I, I was absolutely stunned. I couldn't believe it because I, I was not looking to catch a tarpon that day. I literally told him, I was like, we're we're going to like, let's go get some snook. Nice. Yeah. And there's some big, there's some real big jacks in there. And those jacks, which, you know, most of the time you see some jacks, you can throw in on them and they'll take it. There was some big jacks in there and they wanted absolutely nothing to do with our baits. Absolutely nothing. And I, really? I caught that. I caught that tarpon on a Z-Man. Huh. For a little four-inch Z-Man paddle tail. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That was that was a big. How big was that thing? I mean, that thing was what four foot. Yeah, he was probably four foot. I mean, because you're 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 a tall fella, and it looks like you uh, you had your arms stretched on him. Yeah, he was he was he was uh he was up there. He was he was pretty big. But we got him we we got him up on 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 uh, the deck, pulled him out there. You know, I got him right back in the water. Got a quick picture of him, put him right back in the water, released him. He swam right off, no problem. Uh, but I just I don't know it was it was a weird situation because I was expecting like a much bigger battle and I actually hooked up to another one later that day who actually cut my line um, and he was just way more active so I don't know if the one that I got was you know there's a lot of bull sharks in there I don't know if he was uh, getting chased by something earlier or what but he had like zero energy so we tried to I revived him back pretty good and got him back he swam off and yeah it was it was a definitely an epic catch and an epic time that's for sure. That's good, man. You're taking care of the fishery. That's important. Absolutely. I and and you know, I I pretty much release everything. I everything I catch, I release unless you know my wife decides like, hey, let's keep a fish or something. If I catch one, it's within slot. I'll keep a fish, but I typically throw everything back. So I, you know, I just I just look at it as like the fishery's taking such a beating. If I can release a fish, or you know, every time I go out, uh, hopefully they become a breeder one day and you know can repopulate the waters so that's that's kind of my goal well i am proud of you for doing that for sure and the fishing is is not just the fishing you know it's it's the wusaba factor it's the the excitement it's getting out of the water it's the peacefulness um, mm-hmm. the adrenaline rush that comes after the peacefulness like all of a sudden yeah. that drag starts spooling on you Oh yeah. There, you know, there's, and I, and I think that's really being a combat vet and um, you can attest to this. It's, it's like people, people would look at it. Like I would go back to Iraq. I would go back to Afghanistan and people would be like, man, you're crazy. You know, but it's like, it never bothered me. Like if, if I had the opportunity today and I could make it work, I would go back today. It wouldn't matter. I know exactly what I got to do. I know exactly how it is. So it, it's one of those things. It's just like you get that excitement level and it's almost like uh, you, it just gets in your blood, you know, and, and you just, it just does something to you where you just, you have this, I don't I can't really describe how it feels. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of, and that's kind of how fishing is, man. You go out there and you're patrolling these flats and you're trying to be really quiet and you're in inches of water and you see a fish and all of a sudden your heart rate gets jacked you know what i mean and it's just you get that adrenaline just rush and you're trying to be quiet and you're like okay i hope i don't screw this cast up i gotta cast it in the mangrove and then you cast in there and you catch the fish and then the fight's on and then next thing you know once you get that fish on deck take a couple pictures and you just look at your hand and your hand's shaking you know, they, that's, that's that adrenaline, you know, oh, and yeah. for, for somebody who's a combat vet and for somebody who's a veteran, just, you know, just needs, just needs that little bit of excitement. It doesn't even have to be a, a, a veteran. It doesn't have to be somebody who's prior military, just somebody who's looking for that excitement. Fishing's the way to go. I get that every single time I go out and that's why I fish hard. And that's why I fish, you know, for as long as I do, I don't, I don't play the tides 
I go out. I don't care what the tide is. I go out first thing in the morning and I come back whenever I'm like dog dead tired. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it doesn't matter. I like if there's a tide or not, I'm just going to, I'm going to fish and I'm going to eventually find something. So, so does, does the family with you? Is it just you and your, in the wife? How, no, how does I, this work out for you most of the time? My, my wife, she likes to go occasionally. Um, she's not a big fisherman. She does enjoy it. Um, but it's, it's mainly me. I, I go out by myself or, I'll have uh, a friend of mine that will usually tag along with me or I'll go out with them. And like this weekend, we're going out to Wakasasa River. We have a little camp out there that, that they uh, built on a friend of theirs property. And uh, so we stay out there and camp and then we just we'll fish Nature Coast all weekend and then uh, come back. So I usually fish with some of my friends that I started on, on you know, uh, started kayaking with the guys who a couple of them still have kayaks, but. My my buddy Skyhook, he 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 got a boat too. So he's he's got a boat. I got a boat. So we are constantly rotating. Like I'll take the boat one time, he'll take the boat, and we just go out and we just just slam it. There you go. Yeah. So in, any uh any tournaments? Any tournaments since you guys got boats? Uh, we have not done any tournaments. You know, tournaments are a lot of work. Um, they're fun. We did we we did one uh on the kayaks and had a blast, but they're just a lot of work and um. I don't know it. I haven't because of all the COVID stuff and everything. I haven't really seen any tournaments that that I was interested in um, because I, I'm not really looking. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't want. I don't want fishing to feel like like work. You know, I don't do it for prizes and money and all that stuff. I could care less. I just do it for the excitement and the fun and just being with my friends and you know just just that excitement level that you get out there that adrenaline rush i mean that's that's really the main thing if there's a tournament that was coming up that was uh, on the coast that was that we can we we would probably we would probably join up depending on you know the the time and the timing and everything um but yeah i don't i don't go out looking for tournaments and stuff like that well that's cool not everybody's not everybody's into tournament fishing sounds like you you're just into being there and yeah. present in that moment that's it yeah, that's definitely that's that's what it's all about, though. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't do it for follows. Like, I have you know my Instagram following and stuff like that, and I've reached out and talked to. I have a lot of networking, you know, people that I network with on there, and I, I appreciate every single one of the the the, the people that I've talked to um, that have responded to me and just given me some insight on maybe some different areas and give me some tips and and you know those that I've spoken to know who you are, so I appreciate all you guys, and you know it's just it's just good to be able to kind of get some feedback from others and, and, and adjust your style a little bit and just kind of refine your craft and, and get out there and just, and just do it. You know, I don't do it for follows and likes and I don't care about all that, man. I don't, I don't, I have a full-time job and you know, nobody's going to pay me 60 grand a year to go fish. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Not for fun at least, right? Not for, not for fun. So (laughs) I mean, by the way, if somebody's looking to pay somebody somebody to to go fish for fun, by all means, um, you can hit us up, Tommy at and I'll be more than happy to get a hold of Corey. And uh, what we can, we can definitely, I I don't know, do something. Yeah, we can make some, yeah, we can do something fun. You know, some videos and whatnot. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll just, you know, yeah, we can do that. We'll tag you, we promise. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of tags. You might get annoyed at the amount of tags. We we even Snapchat that. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> but for real, man. Um, man, I tell you what, there's so much to go go through, and uh, we there's no way we can do this in in just an episode. So uh, thank you for coming out again and um, being Absolutely. on on the show. I really really do appreciate it. And uh, so just for you, go ahead and tell everybody how can we find Corey. Well, I'm I'm only on one platform. I'm only on Instagram. You can find me at uh, Sergeant underscore Fish underscore Finder, um, or you can look me up uh, under my name Corey Cosita. That's C O C I T A. Um, I'm not on Facebook or any of that stuff. Uh, I try to stay. I'm real kind of real private. Don't like to be on social media. I'm I'm not on Twitter. You know, I always say Twitter is like the equivalent of writing on a porta potty bathroom wall. So <laughs> it's, it's like it, it doesn't. I don't. I don't get anything out of it. So I. No offense to those that are on it. Uh, I just that's how I feel. But I'm primarily on Instagram. Feel free to hit me up. Any veterans out there 
um, that, you know, may be struggling with PTSD or just any veterans in general who, you know, are looking to, to get out on the water or maybe don't know where to start, feel free to DM me on there. I'll give you any information that I can. I'll get, point you in the right direction. Um, and even if you're, even if you're not, you know, I'll be able to help you out, at least get you started. For sure. For sure. Um, anybody out there who's struggling with PTSD, by all means, um, you can always hit us up at Coastal Addiction. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, it rings live to somebody's phone uh, 24-7 if you call it. By all means, give us a call if anybody's going through that moment of darkness. And by all means, hit up Corey because it sounds like he's uh, offered to take some people out on, on his boat do a little fishing. Absolutely. So, It'll definitely be a good time. Corey, sir, thank you very much uh, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Everybody, when uh, you get a chance, hit up Corey on uh, Instagram, and uh, you'll see some of the beautiful videos that he has, some beautiful fish. He's all about being in the moment and getting it done. Sir, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Tommy, I appreciate you having me, and uh, let's go for episode two one day, man. Yes, sir. Episode two. Hey guys, if you're looking to continue to feed that coastal addiction lifestyle, then head on over to the Coastal Estate Team. Carolyn and Kelly do an amazing job helping you find the perfect home or helping you sell your home. See, not all agents are created equal, and the Coastal Estate Team proves that day after day with the hard work and dedication. But don't take my word for it. Head on over to lifebythebeach.com and get a hold of Carolyn, or you can go to kellysoldit.com, that's K-E-L-L-I-E, soldit.com, and see what they can do for you. Thanks for listening to the Coastal Addiction Lifestyle Podcast. If you like today's topic or any of our other topics, please like and subscribe. You can head on over to our website at www.coastaladdiction.com. You can also check us out on social media, Instagram, coastal, double underscore, addiction, Facebook, coastal addicted, or head over to YouTube at Coastal Addiction. Until next time, mahala.